Today's episode is brought to you by the Restless Patreon subscribers. Matt and I might not be the best at marketing all the time, but we love making content. And if you want more of what you hear on the Restless Podcast, you can find it at patreon.com backslash the Restless Podcast. We have three tiers, and even at the entry level, you will get weekly bonus content that's only available for Patreon members. Matt and I wanted to make it possible for everyone who listens to get a chance at this extra content. So subscriptions start at only $3 a month. We wanted to make it lower, but we found out that the extra fee for a lower price would have made it cost even more. So we we picked the lowest number really that we could. With your subscription, you also get access to the Restless Resurgence, our Telegram group, where we carry on conversation throughout the day. If you've been wanting more Restless, this is where you get it. Once again, go to patreon.com backslash the Restless Podcast. This is Restless. Welcome back to Restless, a post-mortem on the young, restless, and reformed. I am your host, Matt, joined by Pastor Michael and potentially his youngest son, Warren. How are he you? may today? make an appearance. I mean, he's here, so we're still baby casting. We're still in baby season. Uh, this is a baby cast, but uh, the the nice part is he may be asleep. The less nice part is that he's really learned to cry lately. <laughs> so, so, so if you have it. listened to the recent episodes and thought, oh, that's so annoying to have that baby grunting in the background. Well, we'll see about this one. Well, you just got to have faith, faith, faith. You can call me George Michael because that brings us to the topic of our episode tonight. Michael, we are getting back into something we promised people we would work through this year. And it's been a little while. It's I don't, been a little while. You know, it's been a little while, but we, we were always planning to get back to it. It was so, always on our minds. Yep. In the show notes, you can find a link to our first episode as we talk about how to supplement your faith from Second Peter. So Second Peter 1 famously has a what we call a virtue list. Uh, maybe I will just read these verses to refresh everyone's mind, and then we will take our, uh, our conversation from there. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing they keep you from being ineffective and unfruitful in the knowledge of our lord jesus christ so we had come to these verses um, as an example of what we need to do when we see um, either big eva's corruption or we see all of these potentially why are our leaders we'd looked up to becoming what we view as ineffective and unfruitful well the way to avoid it is not by picking on them, even though we do think that's allowed sometimes. We have maybe been guilty at times of picking on the big Eva folks. But what we think is supremely valuable is focusing on this apostolic command from Peter. 
And the great thing about all this list is you can work on them no matter how poor and owning nothing you are reduced to this year. So it's a great year to work on these things. No money. You need no money right now. That's right. No matter where you're at, you can be a part of this. It's beautiful. And you can work on these, whether you're sitting in Manhattan or rural Wisconsin. But first, what we need to discuss is faith, which uh, I'm going to submit to our listeners. If you look at these verses, verses five through eight, faith is actually not part of this virtue list. Faith is not part of this virtue list. So the first thing we probably need to ask is, what does faith refer to in this passage? So I'm going to bring up a three potential options and Pastor Michael and I will discuss kind of where we land and where I think the majority of people land. But whenever you have this word faith, in case um, you are not a person who's had the pleasure of seminary, whenever the word faith comes up in Greek, pistis, there is almost always a debate over how that word should be translated. Um, and the primary two ways this word is translated is either as faith, as we are, as it's translated here, or faithfulness. Um, in Romans, it's quite famous. There are a number of times where we have the faith in Christ, and some people insist we should be translating those as the faithfulness of Christ. This particular verse actually has a third option. People actually believe this should be translated not as faith or faithfulness, but as translated as the faith, referring to perhaps a form of like the creed or doctrinal orthodoxy. And so we are, we have these three options and would all change how we read this verse, right? So we have faith, add to your faith, add to your faithfulness or add to the faith uh, in these verses. Pastor Michael, do you have any thoughts on these, this, how this controversy works out or anything else before we start? I'll work my way backwards. We'll work our way backwards to how the ESV has translated it. Yeah, no, I'm, uh, I'll, I will just follow you um, as this goes. And then I can, uh, I feel like if I share some of the thoughts in my mind, it'll just be jumping the gun. So I'll let you uh, start, and then I will jump in with you. Great. So uh, I will tell you this in case you want to TLDR this very short conversation about how we should translate this word. You can go back to verse 1-1, listener, and that might give you the answer. So we'll start with our third option. Should this be translated as some form of the faith or a creed? The answer appears in in all likelihood, no. And that's because this is a really recent um, suggestion, and it actually seems to be promoted primarily by those saying Peter didn't write this book and promoting it had a much later date. And the reason you would take it that way is because faith later in uh, Christian writing came to have this technical meaning referring to our faith, the faith the Apostles' Creed, right? The faith uh, delivered to us this way. And so uh, it seems like it would not 
uh, it doesn't make a lot of sense. And when we go through, we will compare all of these to what I think you need to is how faith was used in verse one. Um, and so let me move back to faithfulness and then I'll let uh, Pastor Michael speak to these. So faithfulness actually in the context of our passage, unlike this, uh, this third option actually would make a lot of sense because that would actually place it as part of the virtue list. So you have the fundamental um, virtue faithfulness and now add to that, right? He sees them as a faithful people and he's calling them to add to their faithfulness, virtue and knowledge and love and, you know, and so on and so forth. And actually, if this were, if we had just found this scrap of writing and didn't know it was a Christian writing, that's probably how it would have been translated. Because in the Roman culture, as we talked about in our first episode, so important to the language Peter's using, we would regard this, and it was a high value in Roman society, that you would be faithful to your friends, to your family, you know, to Rome and so much. So, Pastor Michael, do you have any thoughts on those before we try and go back to our, our first one? Yeah. So, I mean, with the, with the third, I guess, since we're yep. working backwards, um, with the third, I think that this would just be a weird, uh, it'd be a weird way to mesh categories, right? That you would supplement to the faith, to mm. the body of doctrine or to the, like, you know, creedal uh, beliefs, these statements of belief, add to those things, these virtues, that's right. a really weird, that's just a weird categorical way of speaking that I can't think of a single other place in scripture. We get it that way. Um, I could be wrong about that. Um, you know, I don't, you know, maybe have the entire new Testament memorized, but I can't think of any place, uh, where virtueless or anything like that. Um, and then when you think about uh, the idea of faithfulness, uh, it's again, it's kind of a strange way to speak of it, uh, right. That, uh, you know, add to faithfulness, or supplement to faithfulness, um, you know, depending on how we're going to, um, you know, work with this and translate it. Uh, faithfulness seems to me there, it would be, if it, if it worked, this is kind of an overarching, you know, uh, category that includes all of these things, but you're, mm. you're supplementing, you're, you're adding to, you're bringing together with it, these other things. Um, whereas all of these, or many of them seem to be part and parcel of faithfulness. And so it would be like, I, I, it just doesn't make sense. Right. Um, so, you know, add to faithfulness, faithfulness, supplement to faithfulness, faithfulness. Um, it just seems a little bit like it's, it's a stretch. That's what it, it seems like a stretch to me. Yeah. And so then our final, our, our first option as we worked backwards would be the, perhaps the way uh, we most traditionally think of the word faith as in the idea of the conviction of truth or belief or trust, right? These kinds of related words. And, and a lot of times it becomes harder to define faith beyond that. And so I am going to stick with this as the proper definition. And here's why, because when we read verse one of this letter, it says to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of God, our savior, Jesus Christ. And so if we, if we use verse one, what Peter has just used faith for, which of these makes the most sense? So Peter has said, you are of equal faith with us, the apostles, in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. So if we go through these options again, let's go backwards. Did the readers of Peter's letter have an equal grasp of the faith, 
the creedal orthodox faith that the apostles had well we probably have no reason to think that second would these readers have an under have a level of faithfulness equal to the apostles i guess maybe but that again seems like a very strange thing but if but the encouragement there would be a great deal of encouragement to the original christians if they had a faith that their faith their trust in god gave them an equal standing before god with the apostles and i think for us that is the exact same level of encouragement we have a faith and we have equal standing with the apostles in our faith i think that um, you know, kind of adding to that, right? So if we go back, we see what faith uh, meant earlier on, and it just, it, it more naturally flows in the kind of first or primary, the most common use within the New Testament of pistis. Um, adding to that, I think that it just, it, it makes a lot of sense that uh, when Peter is talking about supplementing to faith, um, faith is not that which needs to be supplemented to what you already have, because faith is that starting point. It is that it, it is the, the foundation. It is the basis for everything else. It's where everything else begins. And so I think if you have that understanding, the rest of this flows very naturally. The rest of these are things that need to grow. As you've already had faith, as the seed of faith has been planted, as you've, as you've responded to the grace of God with his faith. Um, even if it's faith the size of a mustard seed, right? Not, not that your faith can't grow in some sense, but the fact that it's already there, it's real, it's, it's never going away, that true faith, okay, now bring in these other things, right? Now add right. to it, um, you know, keep, keep building upon that foundation. Right, right. This is what makes it, this is what makes Peter an apostle and not just Jordan Peterson, right? Yes. Yeah, I was actually thinking, so, you know, we've talked before already about how there are elements of this virtue list that you don't see in other places. There are a lot of elements of this list that you would find in other Greco-Roman sources, in other classical sources. Uh, but this is, faith is one of those things that would not appear. And I was thinking about this actually because I just finished reading Aristotle's Politics. And uh, it was fascinating. It was really interesting. And actually, quite a few of the items on this list uh, show up at various points uh, in Aristotle when he's talking about different virtues uh, that uh, that certain, you know, leaders should have or what, you know, more generally, what is the end of mankind and what is what is the end of every man and what he should seek? Well, it's, you know, certain things that you would actually find on this list. However, not a single time in the whole book that I can remember. Admittedly, it's my first deep read through. So, you know, I could be wrong. You, if we have an Aristotle uh, stand out there, you can tell me if I'm wrong. But And he will, by the way. And, and, he, and of course he would. <laughs> and that's okay. I will be okay with that. Uh, I don't claim to know Aristotle too well, but uh, it was interesting to see that this did not show up at all, um, that there were elements of what are common in the virtue list in scripture, including here, uh, that simply do not show up. It's not it's not even thought about. It doesn't even seem to be a piece of it. Um, and so it, it, it is fitting then that this, which is the foundational principle starting point of the Christian life, of virtue, right, of true virtue, it makes sense that this is where Peter 
would start. Right. You, you can't add faith to something else. And I think, yep. and I actually think we sometimes try this. We see people with good qualities and we want to, oh, if they'd only add faith to that, which is almost an exact reverse of what yeah. we need to do. Yeah, I'm thinking of, uh, you know, the end of Romans, maybe it's in Romans 14. Um, You can correct me if you remember, but uh, where it says that whatever does not proceed from faith Mm. is in fact sin. Right. And so that's why faith, and that's why I started saying faith is not a part of the virtue list. Because there is no, there is, there is no Christian life. There is no participation in the divine life apart from faith so faith so before anything else goes on faith is prime it's first um both in the order of this list but also because it plays such a foundational role we can't have anything um without it and we wouldn't want to yeah i'm trying to think of a good analogy could you say that you know uh, maybe faith is like the the pen and ink that the rest of the virtue list is written from, mm-hmm. right? Or uh, it's so it's the source in a sense. Or maybe uh, in a way you could say, you know, faith is the it is the soil uh, in which each one of these things can grow. You know, if you're supposed to supplement or add that these things are supposed to grow from the faith that you have, well, th- that has to be the starting place. Um, it could be like the soil, and uh, the rest of these are. Uh, different things that need to be planted need to grow up uh, from that soil. And that means these things that you're told to add to your faith, faith exists apart from these things. This is another very important point. Yes. Right. This is almost the heart of the Reformation that this point. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, This is, and how often is it that this is the, battle over and over again, right? This is the, the common desire of the human heart to, maybe we could say to put faith, you know, kind of in with everything else or to uh, connect as if it's just another one of these virtues. And I know I've maybe said a couple of times that it's, you know, part of the virtue list. Um, So I've maybe been confusing in how I've spoken of that. Uh, but I think your point is well taken that uh, this is so distinct and our desire is to mesh all of these things, right? It's just a, it's just a part of everything else. Uh, but no, this is so distinct that uh, it is possible based on what Peter's saying here, it's possible for you to have faith and these other things are not as noticeable in you because it's just, it's its own, it's its own uh, piece. It is the foundation or the soil or the ink. I don't, you know, again, depending on what analogy is best. And so this is, we've come to uh, perhaps a little bit of the, uh, the difficulty uh, as, as Protestants, as a continuing battle, even down to today with John Piper releasing a book on what faith is the angst of uh, how do we define faith? How do we understand what faith is? And we're going to look at a few things. We're going to look, I have some stuff from the confession. I have a few uh, different, different paths we could go down, but 
But Pastor Michael, do you have any anywhere you would you would start when you would start thinking about this question that I think, again, because this is the grounds of the Reformation, right? Because Rome was not against faith, right? They you need faith is what saves you. Faith working through love. And it was that that statement over which um, many godly men rebelled. So I don't know, where would you start if you were to start thinking about this conversation? Yeah, so I I have a few things in my mind that I want to uh, say, but I actually think that it might confuse things a bit much. I know that I can do that, um, kind of maybe overcomplicate. I think what would be best is let's start with the, what the confession says. And then I want to build on that um, because I have, have just maybe a a framework in which to better understand faith is, is what I'd say I'd like to talk about a bit. Great. So I'm going to first, I'm going to quote Luther and on a definition of faith he gives because obviously, and then we will go to the confession. So Luther uh, is recorded to have described faith as trust in a compassion promised on Christ's account. And I think for as short as that answer is, that is a pretty good answer. It is. Yeah. Yeah. I think obviously uh, with Pisces, we want to, uh, you know, emphasize this element of trust, Mm. um, belief, you know, so it's, it's, uh, uh, receiving or relying upon, but it's, it's something outside of you. Right. And you are, it's, it is not an action in the sense that, uh, many other things are active. Um, but it is this, uh, kind of responsive holding on to trusting, uh, something that is outside of you. And, and this is what you're saying right now is such an important point because I'm going to read section two of chapter 14 of the Westminster Confession of Saving Faith. And in this answer, they are describing what saving faith is. But in this answer, you need to notice two things. They describe both what what saving faith is and what saving faith does. Both things are described in this answer. and And it almost makes sense if we think about it that it's great for the, the passage of scripture we're reading where faith is leading to a virtue list, where yes. faith, saving faith uh, begins to do things. But those, but those actions are not saving faith. Yes, there is a distinction, right? This is, this is a necessary and important. I know we're Presbyterians. We love to make distinctions. Yep. Uh, but man, like this is such an important distinction because it, it gets you into all kinds of trouble if you don't carefully understand this. And so the first section of the Westminster Confession of Faith, which you can go see for yourself, is, is a description of where it's just saying that faith is what the elect are given to enable them to believe in Christ. And they emphasize that it is through the work of the Spirit and ordinarily given through the ministry of the words, sacraments, and prayer, right? So it, it, the first part of the confession describes how God works faith ordinarily in people. Now, the second one says, well, what what is God working? What is this saving faith? And this is what it says. By this faith, a Christian believeth to be true whatsoever is revealed in the word for the authority of God himself speaking therein and acteth differently upon which each particular passage thereof containeth, yielding in obedience to commands trembling at threatenings and embracing the promises of God 
for this life and that which is to come. The principal acts of saving faith are accepting, receiving, and resting upon Christ alone for justification, sanctification, and eternal life by virtue of the covenant of grace. So what we have here is right. We have in the first kind of sentence is the a Christian faith believes whatsoever is spoken in the word is true as if God is speaking there. Then it says faith, the principal acts of saving faith are, are accepting, receiving and resting on Christ alone for justification, sanctification and, and eternal life. And I think very interestingly, the center describes what saving faith does it obeys it yields to god's commands it trembles at its threatenings we could probably talk a long time because the i will just say this the kind of cheap understanding of faith you often get in evangelicalism is well once you have faith no no more fear of judgment that doesn't yeah. exist anymore that's the sign you have faith is yeah, you, you just you feel good all the time. If you're right. not feeling good when you uh, come before the presence of God, well, you know, that's not faith. And 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 so I think this idea of of it giving these differing examples of what saving faith does is really helpful because it is it's much more multifaceted. It makes faith much less a this thing you could do one time and move on. Um but what do you think? Anything you want to point out before we get to the, maybe the a bit more, the, the more detailed, the more technical part of what it's defining faith as? What, what do you think of from the confession? Yeah, I love, so I, I you know, um, I love kind of, you know, um, looking at it with this, you know, idea of receiving, accepting, resting. Um, these are, these are all kind of, uh, I think very vivid ways of understanding what faith looks like. Um, again, we're making that distinction about the way that faith acts versus what it, you know, um, what it is uh, in and of itself. Uh, but I think it's important to tie faith uh, to, as we think about it again, as, as trust, then also tying it to the reality of the fear of God. And what that looks like. So as you come to the word of God, as you come to the gospel, as you hear God speak, as you come into God's presence, um, what this is, is a submission to him, right? It is, it is a completely submitting yourself completely to him, whatever, whatever that may mean, right? It is a, this is that foundational uh, piece of God. You get to do as you please. And I trust you, right? Like I, I trust everything you've said and that's it, right? There's no, there's no going back. There's no turning back. This is it. Um, that's, this is everything. And uh, it's not a feeling, uh, but just that foundational kind of principle stand upon uh, what God has said. And I just think it's important to, to, you know, I don't know if picture it is the right word, uh, but, you know, understanding it as that central act of humility, um, this central piece of humility that you are placing yourself into God's hands and saying, I, right. I'm nothing but Christ, right. Whatever, whatever I have, whatever I do what any of it, like nothing, nothing matters. Uh, but this, as far as, 
uh, how you would look upon me. And uh, obviously, this is all in a response to the proclamation of the reality of the gospel, that uh, God has provided a way that uh, we might truly be saved. Uh, but I just, I like emphasizing, let me back up a minute and say, I think that we have such a casual and a trivial view of God that when we talk about faith, it becomes like, a, oh, well, Matt said he'd give me, you know, my $5 back. Yeah, I know that's going to happen, right? Like, oh, yeah, I trust him. But the, I mean, the, the reality when we are coming before a holy God and trusting him is that we are, we are in full self-abandonment, right? Mm. It's, it's not a, we're not coming in a kind of faith that would maintain some of like my prerogatives, right? Here's my priorities. Here's my prerogatives. God, here's how much of, you know, my life you get versus what I get. I'm trusting you with this portion, not that portion. I think that's how we often look at it, but that's not how this, that's not how true faith works. That's why I'm trying to tie it to the idea of the fear of God that, I mean, when, when you come to God in true faith, it is, this is it, right? Like God, God, this is everything that you are everything and whatever you would do, right. Whether you would save me or not, right. I'm, I am, this is, this is why, you know, one of the, the, you know, pictures of this faith uh, throughout scripture is dying unto self, right? It's I'm like, I'm, I am, I am now dead, right? What can a dead man do? I'm, I am nothing, right? I am all that can be done is what God can do and trusting in his promise, um, not in your own ability. And maybe these are all things that you've heard and you think about all the time, like, you oh yeah, we know this, we know this. I really don't think we do. I'm, I'm more and more convinced that we really don't uh, realize how, how drastic this is. Now, at the same time, I don't, I don't believe that somebody's faith, when they don't, like, they don't have a perfect grasp of that, this is the beauty of faith, too. That, guess what? I mean, faith as small as a mustard seed will move mountains. And right. uh, it's, it's not to say that you have to have a perfect knowledge to have true saving faith. Right. Uh, but I just want us to grasp as we as we think about faith, particularly, I want us to grasp the the drastic nature of what exactly this is. Yeah, I, and I think that this is a really important thing. And I think that um, when people hear the way you're talking, you're talking very naturally about faith. And um, this is actually one of, of course, the accusations towards the reformed is that our understanding of things are a bit sterile because we yeah. like to make them so clean. But why, and, and, and this also explains why do people often confuse perhaps things about the nature of saving faith? Because why does the confession describe of saving faith and not just of faith? Because the confession is recognizing there is a faith that does not save you because that's exactly what James says. Yep. And so it's not that we add things to faith. We don't add to receiving and accepting and resting upon Christ for justification, sanctification, and eternal life. We don't add to that. But saving faith, faith 
that is doing that, that is actually saving, that is actually the instrument by which God is saving you, that's been given by the Holy Spirit, does things like fears God, like receives from providence whatever God gives, What exactly what Pastor Michael's talking about. And this is why it's, it's so important to understand this difference between faith and its fruit and um, the, the differing experiences and differing um, strengths of this faith. And so I'm gonna, we, I want to come back to this idea of these differing experiences, different strengths. Um, and I want to just for a second, because I think it will help us get to a um, come back to this from perhaps another angle before we leave is um, there are, we typically talk about these, these very traditional three components of saving faith. Um, the confession doesn't use these exact words because these words come from Latin, but they're, but they're reflecting this. And, and let me just put it this way, because as we've, we often do, we don't have anyone here from the Bobcast tonight, but Herman Bobbing puts it in a way that I think is really helpful for you to get your hands around. He says, faith is knowledge plus trust. Faith is knowledge plus trust. Um, and this kind of separate, he's trying to, again, he's trying to do exactly what the confession is trying to do. Well, even the demons believe, right? And they're not saved. And so these three parts of faith that are typically described are the knowledge. No, titia is the Latin word. And this is the content, the historical facts of Jesus' life, of the Orthodox faith. A census, which is your intellectual assent that those things are true. And these, uh, this, again, is the knowledge which demons and Satan and perhaps, you know, a decent historian may have. And then finally is the fide, the trust, um, faith. And so it's, it's these three things together. Now, I'm going to try and summarize something from Herman Bovink that I think he does that is actually really helpful though it's a little bit difficult to summarize and perhaps Pastor Michael can help me along the way. What he does is he says, when we look at these three things in someone's experience, and I, and I, and I think this is so helpful for people um, to give us a, a better version of conversion or how these things work together. He says, some people grow up for a long time and they have a historical knowledge of the scriptures. And that is obviously quite helpful to them. But one day, eventually, they have this experience where suddenly they are, I'm going to use the word, trusting it. And it's this, this very different, um, it's now they're perceiving all these things they knew, but in a different way. He said, another person comes to these things and they have um, perhaps little knowledge, but they've been given an experience. Maybe they've been talked about the fear of, judgment or the love of God or something. And they now have this great level of trust and begin to learn um, the facts that uh, kind of result from this, right? And so what he's saying is that obviously this kind of trust in God can't result without true knowledge of him. But what he's saying is experientially, these things happen, which is what you were talking about earlier in these you don't need to have perfect knowledge to have this kind of faith, right? In fact, there are people who have relatively little or flawed knowledge, but seem to have a, a strong sense of faith. And there are people with 
fairly exhaustive knowledge, historical knowledge of Christ, of Christian doctrine, um, and maybe only later, right? They, they have the experience of saying sometimes, wow, sometime later in my life, everything changed. And so I think that this is a, is a helpful way of saying that actually, and one of those ways isn't a better way to acquire, to be given saving faith. And that these, uh, there might be other ways to describe them, but I just thought that that was a helpful way for people. Um, you know, we think about it probably in the evangelical world. This says the person who was raised in a Christian home or the person with the radical testimony, right? If we're going to use those categories. I think that's helpful. I think it's helpful to um, see that maybe the, the experience of faith as it's worked out in time is going to maybe look a little bit different. Um, but the, the core, right, the, the central, uh, that, that seed of actual faith, right, that's actually, that, that is the same in, in another sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, 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 and it makes sense that as the third section of the confession, right, it describes these, this faith as differing degrees weak or strong, and it may be assailed and weakened, but it gets the victory of growing up to full assurance of Christ, that your faith might be weak in different ways. It's like the idea, you know, as we talk about the issues of life that are coming up because of the news recently, a child in the womb is still a human being, even though it's not mature yet. Any, this is what Pastor Michael was talking about earlier. The faith of a mustard seed will save you. The, The smallest amount of faith, you might still have unbelief, it might be weak in the historical knowledge. It might be weak in, in trust. But faith, if it is of the saving nature, will save you no matter how young it is because it is of the production of the Holy Spirit. It is still that thing, right? It, right. it is still the same. Um, so, uh, you know, uh, an apple uh, seed comes from an apple uh, as it falls off the tree. It is it is still the seed of an apple tree. It doesn't, you know, what it, wherever it ends up, wherever it goes, uh, wherever you take it, um, if it, you know, if it gets, say, eaten by a bird and gets taken far away and then it gets, you know, poofed out into a field, still the same thing. It's still, it is still what it is, it's still faith. <laughs> so the reason why we want to start here, obviously, this is where Peter starts. Um, it's, the, it's the foundation piece. Uh, and as we think about virtues, as we think about what we want to grow in, add to, supplement uh, our faith with, the reality is that um, if you try to build any of these items that we talk about, right, whatever it might be, right, self-control, virtue, knowledge, steadfastness, godliness, any of these things, if any of this is done apart from true faith, then it is, I mean, this is a building on sand. This, you know, unless the Lord does build the house, uh, the one who labors, labors in vain. That's exactly what's going on here. If you simply try to uh, dress up your life with virtue, uh, if that virtue does not proceed from true, actual faith, then it's, it, it is ultimately going to be for nothing. It is ultimately going to be for no purpose. Uh, it will ultimately fail. Uh, this is why we start here, because true faith is that 
seed which is planted and then it grows up to bear fruit. It, it grows, it overflows, it abounds uh, in fruitfulness and virtue, right? Virtue flows out of true faith. And so that's why it's so important to get this right. Yeah. And as we leave this topic behind to go to these virtues, we want to, especially with the virtues, talk about ways we can bring these into our homes for those of us who have them. And as I think about even faith, because we want our homes to be based on faith, I think there are two things we can do. One, we should teach the knowledge this faith is based on. And so this is a emphasis of family worship. However, we also recognize this faith of the saving nature is a work of the spirit and with something we need to be in prayer for, for our families um, to be on the basis of. And so if I can give an encouragement, um, this isn't something you can supplement because this is the root of the matter. But I think if it is something we earnestly desire for our children and those in our family, uh, this gives us a place to start. Hey guys, thanks for listening to Restless today. We've had a lot of fun. We're, we're actually very excited uh, to work through this list in Second Peter. Um, go ahead, if you're thinking about this with us, go ahead, study it, read it. Uh, go, you know, study it before us and maybe you'll have something to add or something to send us or, or something to bring to the table as we discuss this a little bit more because this is not just some esoteric knowledge uh, out there, some like interesting idea to listen to on your drive home from work. Uh, this is actually something that we want to uh, instill into our very lives. So thank you for listening. We love you guys. We will be back here again. This was Restless being positive, encouraging. Restless. Restless. <laughs> yeah.